Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Law. Star Trek has been a cult phenomenon and a money-making franchise for decades. There was the original television series in the 60s, four other television series, and another set to debut. And of course, the film franchise, 13 movies from the original series to the next generation films to the reboot films. That's why Paramount Pictures and CBS went to court to protect their copyrighted work and stop an unauthorized fan-made prequel to the 1960s Star Trek series. Axonar Productions raised more than $1 million for the proposed feature-length version using a 20-minute YouTube video. Stardate 2241.03. The planet Arcanus 4. Founded nearly a century before, this research outpost has grown into a flourishing, full-scale city. It is a shining example of Federation progress. A California federal judge handed a victory to Paramount and CBS in the copyright infringement case, ruling that Axonar Productions cannot claim fair use as a defense, but sending the case to trial so a jury can decide whether the fan film would be substantially similar to the Star Trek films and TV series. Joining me are Michael Risch, a professor at Villanova University Law School, and Aaron Ranahan, a partner at Winston & Strawn, who represents Axonar Productions. Michael, will you start us off by explaining the judge's ruling? Sure. There was a motion, essentially, to dismiss the case on summary judgment, basically ruling that this was a fair use by uh, the movie creator. And the judge ruled that this was not, in fact, a fair use and that that would not be a defense that could be raised at trial. And so, essentially there's going to be a trial on whether or not the reasonable person, that is the jury, thinks that the movie is substantially similar to copyrighted elements of the Star Trek universe. Aaron, what was your position in representing Axanar about whether or not this was a fair use? Sure. So fair use is a notoriously hard-to-predict defense. So our position was to argue that the most important element, transformativeness, which requires that the work bring something new or bring a new message or provide some form of comment, that the prelude to action art in particular met this element because it was presented in a mockumentary format, which had never been seen in all 50 years of Star Trek. And it presented a story about a character that is, for the most part, relatively obscure. The court did disagree with us on this, but even J.J. Abrams and, and Justin Lin had never heard of, of Garth of Izar. So what our client's 20-minute mockumentary was, it wasn't a trailer. It was a short, and it actually on its own won a bunch of independent film awards. So it's a very um, unique kind of new spin on Star Trek, which no one had ever seen as far as a mockumentary. And if you go to the Wikipedia definition of mockumentary, it actually defines it as a parody. There's certainly reasonable disagreement about whether Prelude to Action Art qualifies as a parody or not, but if a reasonable observer could classify it as a parody, 
then our position was that the court should at least allow fair use to go to the jury, if not find it outright that, that this work was transformative. Another big part of fair use is to show the impact on the market. And here, Prelude to Axonar has been out since 2014, and the plaintiffs didn't have any evidence that there had been any negative impact based on, on Prelude to Axonar. Instead, it was actually functioning as a free promotional work. And in fact, our clients are the biggest Star Trek fans and continue to promote the authorized and official Star Trek in their tweets and in any other form. Michael, what was the judge's written opinion as far as the points that Aaron just made? The judge basically ruled that while it was done differently, a parody requires some sort of criticism or statement about the original and that that's not what this is. So, and, and I, I should add that the court was also concerned not just with the short, but also with the screenplay of the full movie. And so I think that probably had an effect on how the ruling went personally. I think the parody argument is a good one, but I also think that this is not your traditional parody, and I think that's the way the court saw it. With respect to market substitution, the court said you don't actually have to show market substitution. Once you decide that this wasn't really a transformative use, then you can basically assume that there's going to be some market impact, especially if there's going to be a longer thing. Thank you both. That's Michael Risch, a professor at Villanova University Law School, and Aaron Ranahan, a partner at Winston & Strawn, who represents Axonor Productions. This is Bloomberg.